Yeah, not my best. Obviously, I'd like to take care of the ball better. Uh, but as bad as I played in the first half, I thought I, I battled in the second half and put us in a position to win the game. So I was proud of that, but obviously got to start stronger. Were there any commonalities that you saw that kind of contributed to make the start good Just take what the defense gives me. Don't try to force it. Joe Burrow, Bengals quarterback, a rough week one, seven sacks, five turnovers in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe they should have dialed it back just a little bit, but I still think this was a point Jason Garrett made on Sunday. Seven sacks, five turnovers, and they still almost won the game. The Bengals, I believe, will be fine. They may have to make some adjustments and not be as aggressive, but it, it worked for them last year. And it will win them games, especially as they go against a Cowboys team that won't have their starting quarterback on Sunday. I, I think the Bengals will be fine. I just, I think they underestimated the the Steelers, which a lot of people have done. Yeah. And you do so at your own peril. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, Mike. You know, and, and we talked last week and a little bit on our picks podcast, right, that we're going to do again today, that the Steelers are one of those teams that, as a quarterback, you don't want to see in week one because they do a lot of crazy crap. You know, and it, it's like, man, we're just getting used to the NFL and they're disguising and people are going here and there and it's T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and now Alex Hydesmith, watch out for. But I think like what you said is spot on, what Joe Burrow said is spot on. You know, one, yeah, he was too loose. You know, read the room a little bit, right? You know, that hey, wait, the Steelers offense, it didn't look very good in the preseason. Our defense looks real damn good. Maybe I shouldn't take, you know, as many chances, especially early on in the football game. And I do think... You know, ultimately, he, you know, and this was a this was his least egregious interception. That was just a great play. But here's plays where I go, oh, if he played in the preseason, he hits that. That guy's open down the middle. He was late to see it, and he didn't throw the proper ball. There he stares down. Boyd in the middle. Uh, Pittsburgh did a cool thing with their defense. The first interception was not only a bad throw with the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six, but a horrible decision. His first read was open. So I really do think this is one of those cases like that Tony Dungy has talked about and we've discussed a little is that he, playing no preseason football did not help him when you got on the field in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He looked like a guy that didn't see the field as well, was a little off and still started kind of getting the cobwebs you know, off, off of him a little bit. And it showed. But to his credit, the guy is unflappable. And even after getting hit and crushed and he didn't get protected well, even with this new O-line, like he said there, second half, he still makes so many damn good plays and gives them a chance to win. And, and, and I think we both agree they win the game if their snapper is in there on the extra point. I, I think so. But either way, um, I, I wouldn't want to be the Cowboys this week is what I'm saying. I don't. Ooh, ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Watch out. Well, and – I think it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of your first game back in Cincinnati since the sure. wild card round right? when they beat the Raiders. Since then, they go on the road and beat the Titans. They go on the road and beat the Chiefs. They play in the Super Bowl and almost win it. They've sold out that stadium. There's an, uh, an excitement level there that we haven't seen since the Boomer Esiason, Chris Collinsworth right. days. right. 
And and you can get caught up in that. You want to put on a show for those people. That's why they're here. We want to entertain them. We want to show them what we can do. We want to drive our car really fast. All right, big play Bengals. And, and 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 that that may not have been the right game plan, the right approach. And that's on the coaching staff. But as Joe Burrow grows and matures as a quarterback, he's got to say in that too. Yeah, somebody's got to be the one who says, "Hey, you know, we're playing the Steelers this week." I don't know that putting on a show should take precedence over emerging from the game with a victory, which they still almost did. They were down 17-3, and they came back, and they tied it at 20. So that's where the the very thick silver lining is for the Bengals. I think they will be fine, even though the offensive line is still a work in progress. I don't care how bad your line is. If you change out 80% of it, it's going to take some time for the new players to get to the point where they're comfortable working together to right. properly seal off all the openings for defenders to get through. That that's right. You know, here's the you know, yes. I mean, and and really, you know, you're spot on. You're exactly. And then you're playing a team that you always are so good at discussing where it's just like, "Hey, they've been all off season. Like, hey, front four, we're not going to beat the Bengals in week 1 unless you take over." Right? We have this talk all the time. You know, so they're they're like rabid dogs thinking about the football game. I mean, because they know it's on them. And then they got a psycho like Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores in their ear telling them they got to play like psychos and if they want to win the football game. And they did. And everybody on the Bengals offensive line got their butts whooped on a pretty consistent basis other than right guard Alex Kappa, the free agent from, from Tampa Bay. He's the only one that I looked back at the game and went, he played pretty good. The other guys, hey, Lyle Collins, he didn't practice a lot in training camp. You know, he was not quite himself. Jonah Williams struggled. Uh, yeah, Jonah Williams, right? Yeah, Jonah Williams struggled. Ted Karras had a few moments. You know, the left guard, you know, young football player, he had some problems as well. So, you know, yeah, it was it was a tough matchup. And, and it's the second year in a row, you know, and I know you said this last week too, where it's – it's a big-time quarterback, week one, and he gets a little caught up in, wait, I'm the man, and I'll take over, and I'm going to beat this team. So what? And we saw Josh Allen try to do it two years ago, and it ended up in a loss for the Bills, and I feel like that kind of happened, to your point, like we're going to put on a show here by the Bengals, and, and you know it, it put them in a bad spot, even though they still should have won the game. They really should have. Yeah, they absolutely should have, and they could have, and as you said – I feel badly for the Cowboys this weekend. Not only will they not have Dak Prescott, they will have a Bengals team that is nearly a double-digit favorite. Imagine that. Is that right? World wow. With the Cincinnati Bengals. It's creeping up toward 10. Yeah. In what world would the Cincinnati Bengals be the favorites to go in and beat the Cowboys by more than one score? But that's where it's heading, and we'll have all of our picks coming up in the Joint Mega Picks podcast later today. The Buffalo Bills get a little extra time off before they play this weekend. And here's Josh Allen on better protecting himself when he chooses to pull down the football and run with it. Um, I mean, I think I could be better in that aspect. But um, given the circumstances of what it was, understanding um, the flow of the game, you know, I do think sometimes that are necessary in my eyes. Um to help our team win a football game, that's that's all it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, availability is the uh, best ability. So um, just understanding that and, and getting down and not taking too many hits, obviously that's year in and year out uh, going in, you know, that's, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't care is what he's saying. Yeah, I understand the best ability is availability, but I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm young, I'm big, I'm strong, and I can take it until you can't. Until something goes. Who does this? They call- what quarterback does oh, that know. right there? I know. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> they, they have about four designed runs on average per game, and that's exactly how many they had for him last Thursday night. Four were designed, but he had his best plays when he scr- when he had to scramble like yeah, this here. Right. The, the throw isn't there, and he, he takes on Bobby Wagner for crying out loud. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it is. It's amazing. He does got to protect his body, though, to what you're saying, to what he's saying. He's got He's got to be a little more careful there. Uh, he... He just is, is a little all out, and you know, I just think as football fans, we don't want to see him hurt. The Bills are, you know, one of those teams we all got circled to go. They can win the Super Bowl, and this guy is so special. He really is, and he is a great competitor, and he's he's physically capable of doing things that we just haven't seen quarterbacks do as far as stiff arming a safety and going like, wait, I'm, I can do that like Derrick Henry and make you look like a fool too. It's just it's rare that way. I mean, this is insane. I don't. I really, and, and I'm, I'm. I don't remember any quarterback being able to do that. I, I really don't. Then, let alone wait, he can beat you with his mind, and then beat you with his arm. I mean, he just he has it all. He really does. Uh, you know, but but hopefully, yes, he can and can learn to maybe just dial it back a hair. But I'm not sure he can. I don't know if he can. I don't. I think this is the only way he knows how to play, Mike. That's what I I do get worried about with him a little. And, and I think that's why it's critical for Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, to not dial up maybe as, as many, many run, yeah. runs right. because you know there are going to be situations where he just organically takes off. And, yeah. you know, I remember when it dawned on me in 2019 because they really seemed to deliber- deliberately run him a lot in 2018. They were careful about it in 2019. Then the playoffs came around and it was the Josh Allen show. Yes. Just, just go. Just right. go. And, and that they need to save it for the right moments. You can't, it, it's almost like, and I, I, this doesn't happen all that often anymore, but there would be a team that had the standard special teams player punt returner, and then every once in a while they'd put one of their best receivers back there to return the punt because right. when this guy does it, it's a different level of electric. No doubt. But you can't do it very often. You're only going to do it in special occasions because you don't want to expose that guy to injury all the time. I think that's how Josh Allen needs to view deciding to run the ball. You can't just do it all the time. Look, it was a big game. It was week one. They were going to play the Rams. They wanted to get that win. They wanted to show that they are worthy of all the hype and the expectation. And he's going to be tempted to do it again because he had 11 days off. They're playing on Monday night football against the Titans. That temptation is going to be there. That's the biggest challenge, I think, for the coaching staff is to try to get him to not just recite the words, the best ability is availability, because that's what he's hearing over and over again from his coaches. He has to actually believe it and buy in, and I don't think he does. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he does either. I don't know. I don't know if he's capable. You know, it, it's like you know, it, 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 there's a lot of plays every game where I go, oh, Mahomes, step up, but he just floats back and throws a sidearm 30-yard throw, and, okay, gosh, he got it in there. Like, it's just part of the, what, what he does. Uh, but it, it's just scary. I guess that's, that's all we're saying here. And, you know, I think, yes, Dorsey, McDermott, hopefully they can just continue to kind of pound it into his brain that way. And also I thought, you know, again, the game plan last week, get the ball out of his hands, a lot of quick throws, take Aaron Donald out of that. You know, hopefully that can be an aspect of their football game, let alone the run game with their running backs. I, you know, I know we didn't see a ton of it in week one, 
But I do think that's on their radar to be a hair more balanced. And, and with Aaron Cromer as the new line coach there, uh, the way their defense is, you know, hopefully they don't have to play quite as wide open maybe as they, we've seen the last two years just and, and ride Josh Allen so hard all the time. Well, they're going to go as far as Josh Allen can take them. The concern is he tries too hard to take them too far too soon, and they're going to have Case Keenum in there. Not that Case Keenum isn't capable of making things happen. We saw it five years ago in Minnesota. But yeah, but he ain't Josh you, Allen. Yeah, He's not Josh Allen, right. and not many are. And you're right, Josh Allen is right up there among the very best in the game, and we get to see him in prime time in that that – overlapping doubleheader on Monday night. I'm still irritated by that. I want to watch – I mean, call me selfish. I want to watch the games one at a time. Why is? Why does there have to be overlap? And they're, they're both ABC networks. It's ABC and ESPN. It's not even competing networks. Why did they – why? I still haven't had anyone explain to me why someone thought this was a good idea to have overlapping games in prime time. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that either. What, what, is there is it something about getting the extra game? I don't understand what the whole – because they don't get the Monday night game at the end of the year, I guess, right, in week seven or week 18. So this is where it gets made up for, right? Is but that, they're doing it like three times this year. Are they really? Yes. Damn. I didn't know that. Or at least it's eventually going to become three times a year. I need to look and see the schedule. Okay. It All may right. not be. It may just be one time this year, but I think eventually it's going to be three times a year. So I, I don't. I, I, I just. I and I think most people would feel that they want to enjoy all of Bills Titans, and then all of Vikings Eagles. I mean, those are both two of the better games of the weekend, and You're they're right. going to be overlapping. When I don't know. I, I look. I'm not going to say I don't know why they need to be overlapping. All I'm saying is no one has explained why they need to be overlapping, and I would like to think somewhere, somehow, someone would give us an explanation as to why it's a good idea to have two games overlapping in primetime. Because to me, hey, that's that's not one of the decisions I would make if anyone would ever allow me to make those decisions. But then again, nobody does. Well, I don't think a, a Amazon or ESPN are going to be hiring you anytime soon, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I I reject the offer before it's never made. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll pre- uh, preview some of the week two games with a grab bag right after this on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. This rivalry with the Saints has been a little lopsided the last few years. You guys did beat them in the NFC uh, divisional playoff game, but you know, just how frustrating is it when you've got an opponent like that that's kind of had your number? Yeah, it, it, that's what Coach Bulls was saying the other day. Um, you know, it's not a rivalry unless there's some give and take. So, you know, hopefully we can you know get it back to them and, and you know get it back to a, to a, a real rivalry. But yeah, we did get them when it counted. You know, my rookie year. Um, but you know, we see them twice a year every year, so got to have some some back and forth at least. The Saints have beaten the Buccaneers six straight times in the regular season. Yes, the Buccaneers won the game that mattered, the postseason game in 2020, at a time when it looked like the Saints were ready to deliver not quite the death blow, but close to it. Remember, Antoine Winfield ripped the ball out from Jared Cook and oh, covered by Devin game White. Game was over. That just changed yeah, everything because they were going to go up 10 or more on that drive. Yeah. In I think the they were up half. 10 at that point. Either way, that, yeah. it was gonna, they yeah. were going to put it away at that point. Right. Um, but Todd Bowles has been there since 2019, and he's yet to be part of a team in Tampa that has beaten the Saints. And so, yeah, it's 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 a smart message to send to challenge the Buccaneers to rise up and get it done. 
Buy or sell, the Saints will continue their regular season dominance over Tom Brady, 4-0 and against him in two years as the starting quarterback in the regular season. Well, yeah, it's this is uh, man, this is a tough one. There's a lot of factors. I'm going to buy it for right now, okay? I, I mean, I, I'm still on the fence as far as what I think is going to happen or who I'm going to pick in this football game, but I, I, I have a pretty good clue of who I'm going to go with here. You know, one Dennis Allen's there. You know, you you alluded to this many times in the offseason. Sean Payton wasn't there because of COVID last year in the second matchup in Tampa Bay. And Dennis Allen, and, hey, the defense, we know. You know they, they give the Bucks problems. They match up. They can match up physically with them. They can. You know, and then they got a guy like Marshawn Lattimore who can go, hey, guys, don't worry. I got Evans. Now you can do all some crazy stuff over here and stop the rest of the offense. No Chris Godwin, you know. Julio Jones, knee sore, Mike Evans, calf sore, uh, Saints defensive line that didn't play good last week, going to be pissed off. Sorry, Manchester. I mean, very pissed off, right? And then I also look at it, you know, where this is where I, I'm a little torn. It's just because of there is no Sean Payton. There's no, you know, Sean Payton knows how to coach him up and let's pick up this Todd Blitz, Todd Bowles crazy blitz and play that way. But I still would think that's in place. So I do lean towards by here that they're going to win this football game at home in, in New Orleans. Yeah, now dominance implies that it will be a lopsided game. And the closest margin for any of the six regular season games that the Saints have beaten the Buccaneers in was seven. There's been nine a couple of times. There was a 38-3 to game. Remember that one? Wow. We were all... On the Bucks, that that's right. Sunday night game. Yeah, we were all on the Bucks, and they stepped right into a buzzsaw that night. But um, I, I, yeah, it's it's hard. I worry with the word about dominance, but there's yeah. Right, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, and and also we're doing a picks podcast later too, so we don't want to tip too much of that. But I, I'm gonna sell that it will be dominant. Okay, I'm I not got you there. saying that the Bucks are gonna win, but but look. They have five receivers on the injury report yesterday. I know. Five of them. Right. Chris Godwin, hamstring. Julio Jones. Knee. Uh, Julio Jones, excuse me. Knee. Mike Evans, calf. Right. Uh, two others. Brashad Perryman is on the injury report. Russell Gage didn't practice with a hamstring. There are only two healthy receivers, Scotty right. Miller and Jalen Darden, for crying out loud. So, and, and I know that, you know, there's a good chance most of those guys are going to play, but... You're banged up after one game. You're not practicing at all or on a limited basis four days before the next game. It's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And then I think back to what Tom Brady had to say Monday night on the Let's Go podcast about how he got the bleep beat out of him on Sunday, even though there wasn't any big, you know, wow, oh, crap, Tom's not going to get up type of hit like the one that Aaron Rodgers took on the play that he fumbled. He lay there on his back for a while. There wasn't anything like that. So they're going to get after Tom Brady. I, I think that they understand that there's an opportunity there to, uh, to you know, harass him physically. He's 45. We, we've said this all the time. Everything he does is unprecedented. And I wonder, too, I wonder how much Sean Payton's talking to yeah, staff. giving them some little tidbits here and things like that. I wouldn't be shocked because it's it, they are his buddies, and Sean is that kind of guy. I wouldn't be shocked. Now, I mean, he's working for Fox, but I think he's going to be working for Fox on the weekends when 
Jimmy Johnson is off. We didn't see him this past weekend. Right. I doubt that he's sitting around doing nothing. No way. He's watching film. And and I I mean he's he's worked with these guys for years. He's going to be a head coach next he, year. He's he's, he's got stuff. some he's got some pride in what his team does without him. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to say I want him to really suck without me. I agree. To prove I how great either. I am. Right. Right. I think he he's he he wants to be useful to them. And if I'm Pete Carmichael, I'm texting him. Do you see anything? You see anything? Hey, if you, why, you know, I, I just let's not assume that, that that he's walled off completely from the Saints, and that may be the factor that pushes it over the top. Fill in the blank after an up and down week one. The main thing I want to see from 49ers quarterback Trey Lance against the Seahawks is what, Chris? Pocket presence. Pocket presence. Pocket presence. He's horrible at moving and sliding in the pocket to still find open receivers. This is an issue. I know you've heard me say it, but it's, it, it reared its ugly head in the preseason, and it did last week in week one. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's plays there where, okay, hey, you're going to get pressure, right? But you got the look you want for this play. This guy's going to be open here. You know, okay, yeah, there's a little pressure right here, maybe to, you know, the right side. Slide, step up, stay in a throwing position, hit that guy. There's so many plays, though, when it's just a little pressure and then it's tuck the ball away and start looking at the rush and not even be able to see downfield. And there's too many plays that are being left on the field, in my opinion, where I just go, you know, that's where I get into the conversation where he's just not a natural QB that way all the way. Great athlete, got some skills but doesn't have that that sense sometimes to go, oh, wait, this is the look coach told me about right here. And, okay, all right, wait, I got a little pressure, but, man, I can see it's about to be open. Let me just buy a half a second and set up and make that throw, and boom. And there was a handful of those last week, too, that, that bothered me. I, that has got to improve if they want to, you know, be a real juggernaut on the offensive side of the ball in the passing game. And is it, is it – help me understand how – you change that because there is like a robotic quality to Trey Lance. Drop back, fire the ball as hard as you can. Drop right. back, fire the ball as hard as you can. Right. There's more subtlety. There's more nuance. How does he get to the point where he's moving around in the pocket, where he's aware of what's going on, where he buys that extra little bit by using his skills to slide to the left or slide to the right or step up hard in the pocket before yeah. and until the guy pops open? How do you get to that point? Yeah, you know, Playing one, just reps. And then there's drills you can do in practice where you just got to continue to work on that as well. Where, you know, again, you got to get out of his head. Because what happens so many times, too, with the great athlete at quarterback is they just go, well, wait, I've been able to, if I got pressured, I've been able to run and go get 10 anytime I've wanted my whole life. But not in the NFL. That ain't going to happen in the NFL. I mean, it, you know, we, we know Lamar Jackson knows he can't even do that. So that's where it is. And drills you can do in practice. You know, you see, hey, the brooms and, you know, the sticks hitting you as you're going back and make a move. You know, the big, like, uh, what are those big blue, like, BOSU balls or whatever. You know, those are things that we used to use at practice, and I go, I know guys still use, like, hey, you know, drop back, he hits the top, you roll one at him. Okay, I got to move out of the way, but I'm keeping my eyes. And then there's another one that comes at you, and you, hey, move, but stay in that throwing position. It's not easy. It's not. Um, but those are kind of the things you can do, and, and, and the hopefully just the playing and being out there, he gets better and more comfortable with it as well. 
I just want to see him throw one of those beautiful little rainbow passes that isn't 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It drops over a guy and lands. He's good at that. Yes. He's good at that. He's, he's good at those throws. What's the over under on when, on when Kyle sits him down for Jimmy Garoppolo? Mm. Let me, I'm just going to pull up their schedule real quick here. Just to, to double check. But, I would think if they lose this week and lose and he doesn't play well, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jimmy G week three in Denver. You know, Shanahan going home to Denver. He's going to want to put on a show. He's going to want to beat the Broncos. You know, damn Broncos took 25 freaking years to put his dad in the, the freaking ring of honor. I'd be, I was pissed off just as a friend. You know, I got to think there's going to be some personalness there. And and that could be could be one where I'd look at. And then you know, but but if they win and he just plays okay, I think he survives. But if he loses and it's like it was last week, I think you're going to see Jimmy G going in Denver because then the Rams are the next week and he's 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 going to go away. I can't I can't wait for the training wheels anymore. We got to go. I don't know. What's your thought, Mike? A pair of primetime games. I I know. NBC Sunday Night Football. Right. 49ers at Broncos. Monday Night Football. Rams at 49ers. I they're nine and a half point favorites for some reason against the Seahawks. I'm shocked I, by that. I feel like that's some sort of a trap by the odds makers. That they know something we don't. I don't know. Maybe they have secret access to the Trey Lance developmental film that he's gonna come out on a field that isn't a swamp and and just light up the Seahawks. But I and and, and there's a chance for a letdown by the Seahawks too after the emotional right. win over Russell Wilson and yep. company, but still they, I agree with you. They lose this one when they're nearly a double-digit favorite. That changes everything going into Denver, going into a pair of back-to-back primetime games. And, and, and I could see – somebody was asking me this yesterday, Chris, and it made me think of our past conversations about how Kyle Shanahan is so good at communicating directly to his players. Right. He could sell to Trey Lance. You just need to sit for another year. Definitely be fine. Definitely be fine. Right. We're still in your corner. We're, 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 we still believe in you. You're, you're our guy. Right. So you're not, but for now you're our guy. And we we just, we think it's in your best interest and in in our best interest is in the best interest of the team to take advantage of the fact that we have Jimmy Garoppolo here and, and, uh, and he can talk him into that. Yeah. I I think just the same way talk Jimmy G into staying that they talked him into not trying to, force his way out early in training camp. Right. I feel like Kyle Shanahan can talk anyone on that team into doing whatever he wants them to do. And if he has to talk Trey Lance into taking a seat, he'll be able to do it. I think so, too. I mean, they believe in, in Shanahan. They should. I mean, they they know. I mean, just like, like you're talking about there, I think he's very honest and open, so nobody's ever caught by surprise. And they see the, the genius of him as well. I mean, again, they, 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 as a player, you know – you're watching film of other teams during the week, and you go, well, their offense ain't our offense. Holy cow. Man, Kyle is amazing what he does. And we've, we've heard quarterbacks leave there and go, Shanahan's a genius. you know. So the, they believe in him and his vision overall, and I think you're exactly right. They can sell to Trey Lance that, hey, it's okay. You're still our guy. We traded three first-round picks for you. You are the future. It's just you know, you're not quite ready yet. And be ready, stay ready, because Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, and he gets hurt quite often. So you might have to come up and play again here this this season. So be ready to go when you get that chance. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't, especially when you have this type of team that's Super Bowl caliber. Uh, and, and that's where it, it'll be interesting to see. But this is a dicey matchup because they swept the 49ers last year, the Seahawks. Pete Carroll has shown the ability to have a little feel for Shanahan's offense and stop some of the crazy runs and all of that. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm shocked that you said nine points. I haven't looked at all that yet, and I'm, I'm surprised to hear it's that much. I think if the 49ers lose or if they win despite Trey Lance, one of the big stories to watch next Monday or Tuesday when the bomb drops that Jimmy Garoppolo is starting Sunday night for the San Francisco 49ers at the Denver Broncos. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm saying my antenna are going to be up yeah. and pointed in the direction of Santa Clara waiting for the possibility that that's the news that emerges in the aftermath of that game. Buy or sell. The Patriots, who are favored for some reason by two points in Pittsburgh, will start finding an offensive rhythm against the Steelers. Uh, Buy or sell. I'm going to sell that right now. I'm going to sell that. And I, you know, offensive rhythm, when I hear that, it means they're going to just be efficient and move the ball down the field all game long. And I just don't know if I buy that. I know there's no T.J. Watt there, but, you know, again, where I think they miss Josh McDaniels is just some of the creative ways he has to, oh, wait, they're playing this. I know a great way to expose it and get us an easy 10 yards. Oh, I got a great way to throw a screen to receiver here and get us 12 or 15 yards. Their offense is well coached and I didn't come away watching this film going, oh, man, they're all over the place. There's still a lot of good things they do. It's the little creative elements that give them cheap plays and cheap yards at times that I don't know if they got enough of that there. So, I, you know, I, you know it can be good, but rhythm, rhythm is like, I, you know, I see them going up and down the field on the Steelers, and I don't know if I see that happening. Um, I, I think they're going to have a hard time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I will believe in that offense when I see it. And again, we know how the Steelers are. This is a home opener for them after an emotional win in Cincinnati. The only benefit to the Patriots is that the Steelers had to put in an extra 10 minutes and maybe they will be, you know, some teams that had emotional wins week one. And that's what I'm going to be watching for. Will they be in yes. any way susceptible right. to, to getting knocked out? easily in week two because they just they they they, gave, they need a buy already after week one but I I don't buy that the Patriots are going to start finding their rhythm this is going to be kind of the old Patriot old way school. against the exactly. Steeler way to, to, I agree. to find a way to score more points right and if Defense, it's 10 to 9 so right. be it yeah exactly I, I I that's the way I feel too you're exactly right. I it's, you know this game could go either way either way I know the one thing I do feel it's going to be ugly the Patriots' defense is good, and you know the Steelers' defense is good and well coached as well. And they're it seems like you know both teams are ahead of their offenses as far as that's concerned. I, I I'm with you. It's like an early two thousands like matchup between the Steelers and the Patriots right here. Last year on a Thursday night, the Miami Dolphins gave the Baltimore Ravens and quarterback Lamar Jackson fits with the blitz. Will the Ravens be able to Ooh, avoid the same outcome when they get together the in week two? We'll discuss it next here on PFT Live. Passing out popcorn, you got a good question, you get popcorn. <laughs> Shake his mind. What's your frame of mind now about the contract? You know, respectfully, I'm, I'm really done talking about it. You know, I told you guys before, you know, I was going to be done with it. You know, week one, week one's over with. We're done talking about it, you know. I'm focused on the Dolphins now. 
That's Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback. The Ravens were the ones who issued the statement pulling the plug on the talks last Friday. There's no reason to think that anything is going to continue. As long as Lamar Jackson represents himself, there's no occasion to work through any of the issues. The only thing that would change it at this point is if Lamar Jackson wakes up one morning and says, maybe I should take the offer that the Ravens had on the table. We heard some things over the weekend about some of the contours of the offer. Not enough to fully evaluate it, but he could wake up one day and say, I'll take it, and the Ravens would presumably give it to him as long as it isn't the day after he tears an ACL. That would probably cause the offer to no longer be on the table. So there's nothing to talk about. He's not talking about it because there's nothing to talk about at this point. Everybody moves forward with football season, and we figure it all out in February or March, or maybe just maybe in January. Yeah, that that's right. You know, he's he is he's focused. They're a focused football team. I never doubt that. You know, Harbaugh's another one of those guys where you can put in the class like we just talked about Shanahan on the last segment. You know, great communicator. Players always seem to know where they stand within the organization. There never seems to be BS. Lamar has a great way about him when he gets in front of the microphone there. I do appreciate that about him. And he doesn't shy away from it. He's not a jerk or mean or anything like that. You know, I mean, just coming in with the popcorn and the shake was funny. And, yeah, he doesn't – it's over. And he's not trying to be a jerk about it. He just – he's worried about football. And they got a big one this week. Home opener for them against the damn Dolphins who, you know, embarrassed them last year on a Thursday night football game. So we know the Ravens, they're chippy as hell just on a normal day in the middle of May, let alone when a team embarrassed them physically and schematically a little bit. They're, they're going to be pissed off and ready to go here in this one. Yeah, they got after Lamar Jackson with that very aggressive and creative defense. 22-10 to 10 was the Week 10 Thursday night outcome last year, and it sparked a late-season turnaround by the Dolphins under then-coach Brian Flores. Here's John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson on being ready for Miami to do it again in Week 2. Well, we'd have been negligent if we hadn't worked on it. You know, it's something we need to get a lot better at, you know, and, uh, and we, uh, we studied the whole offseason, and, and uh, you know, we'll have a plan for it and, you know, hope it works, you know, because these guys are probably the best in the league at doing it right now. They do it more than anybody. They do it better than anybody and it's just something they're committed to i have all the respect in the world for what they're doing defensively they just you know caught, caught us off guard really uh we we haven't really went over um defenses doing all up zero against us like just all up flat out zero um but i feel we have an answer for it this year you know we, we watched film watched a lot of film on those guys because we we don't want to happen again and the zero blitz means everybody at the line of scrimmage except a guy deep, and also receivers on the outside being covered. But it's basically an eight-man rush, and everybody's right. coming. Right. And that's what they did. Man on everyone else, but they just teed off. And it confused Lamar Jackson, and he couldn't make a decision on what to do before the walls closed in on him. No, exactly right. You know, they, they, it's 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 a brilliant thing that Brian Flores and defensive coordinator that's still there, Josh. I mean, look at this look right here. Look at that. You know, it, you know, it's just it's unreal. And, you know, uh, this game, what happened, too, was the Dolphins, of course, had great success, but it teed it off for other teams to start kind of doing it to Baltimore throughout the year, where we saw teams kind of dabble in it every game and go, I don't know if I think their plan is foolproof there. So I would imagine they got something for that here, definitely. The defense is, you know, admired throughout football to where I think everybody was looking at not only to get answers to how to stop it, but going like, wait, we should implement this in our playbook on defense. This is something damn good here. 
Um, so I would expect something. I would feel a lot better about it for Baltimore if their run game and their O line was healthy. That's where it's a little scary, you know. But at the same time, I do think they'll have a plan for it. And here's just a little interesting nugget, even about last week, right, Mike? The Patriots. There was a few times in the game where the Dolphins got up into this alignment early on where you went, oh, here it comes. And what's great about it is it's not everybody always comes, right? Like you talked about eight guys at the line of scrimmage. You know, every now and then it's, whoa, wait, it was only four guys that came, but four guys dropped out and we had a quick pass on because we thought it was the all-out blitz and, oh, no, now there's four guys underneath here and we can't throw the quick pass. So they're very good at that. But – uh, last week, they got in that alignment, and the Patriots got in a formation to go, and you could tell they checked, and he moved the back right in between the guard and the center, right, to pick up that guy. And Miami was smart to go, wait, this is Bill Belichick and company. For us to think he doesn't have a plan for this right here in week one when he's at all offseason. So they checked out of it. They have checks for it. And I think that's going to be an interesting chess match to watch here as we go, uh, definitely. But these are two good defenses, two teams that are very talented. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they got. I, I like how they're, 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 they're saying we got answers for it, too. That'll probably scare Miami just a little bit from doing it too much as well. Well, I, I still think they're going to want to see what the answers are. That's right. You're right about and, that. And it is it, – it's, it's kind of – it's kind of like zone blitz meets 85 bears deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my mind, yeah, right? I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Where yeah. where you've got you've you, you've got all these guys and they're all ready to come at you and you don't know who's coming until the ball is snapped and some of those guys are going to slip into coverage. So maybe they are in the passing lane for the quick pass that Lamar Jackson is going to throw exactly. and intercept him. Right. So so what what do you do? What did you see the Patriots do? What do you do? You you talked about getting them out of that formation what by moving your guys around, maybe spreading them out a little bit more. But what can as a practical matter the Ravens do to deal with this, to either keep them from doing it or to respond to it when they actually do it. Well, you can be in some formations where you know they have good tight ends, right? Two, three tight ends on the field will scare, I think, them from doing it a little bit. Because what happens in when you blitz like that, it's hard to stay in your lanes if they do call a run play and they're in some run formation. So that would be the first thing where I go, that traditionally scares defensive coordinators because they go, wait, you know, I got four guys here in between the right guard and the right tackle, and if they just block down, all of a sudden we got like seven guys stuck in between the tackle box and we can't get out on the edge in the running game. I would think you see some sets like that where, you know, they just go, oh, you want to get up in there? We're just going to smash you in there. We're in a bunch set with the receivers, you know, block everybody down. And there goes Lamar Jackson around the edge of the running game around the edge. The other thing, too, is you can get in some of those, you know, uh, one, two tight end sets with two receivers or whatever and have, you know, max protection plays called where, hey, hey, we got seven guys in the block here, eight guys in the block. So just hang in there, and you know you should be able to throw to your one guy working against the one guy downfield. Wide receiver screens are another huge thing you can do, right? Everybody's up, and they're in between the tackle box and the right there in the middle, and you throw a wide, re-screen, wide receiver screen out there, and all of a sudden now you got Mark Andrews and another receiver going out there to block, and if the receiver makes one guy miss, it's, uh-oh, watch out. It's off to the races because everybody was stuck inside the tackle box, right? So – you know, that's something that you can combat, you know, that, that defense with. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But the Miami defense not only really 
creatively coached. It's got incredible talent, too, and that's when it gets scary for, for a team facing them. Well, the Ravens knew the moment the regular season ended they'd see the Dolphins again this year, and they knew as of May that it would be week two. So my guess is John Harbaugh yes. has ensured that they have a plan right. in place that will guard against that outcome. By the way, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is now 7-1 and one against Super Bowl-winning coaches. He's 4-0 and oh against Bill Belichick. That's what I was going to say. That's a, yeah, right, right, right. Otherwise, 3-1. and one. That's still impressive, and if he beats Harbaugh, it goes to... Again, beats Harbaugh. It goes to eight and one, which, and uh, wins aren't a quarterback stat. Some would say. I still think that good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, influence victory more than others. I don't know that Tua influenced the victories that the Dolphins have enjoyed over the seven Super Bowl winning coaches he's yeah, beaten. I yeah. don't know that we put it on him. No, I know. That's where I hate those kind of stats. I mean, it's cool to hear, but yeah, to to your point, it's like. Uh, what, what he got the credit for beating the Raiders in that game, even though they had to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick to win the game at the end because he could run the offense. That that's one of the wins. Whoa, I mean, good, good. Thank God they had Tua in that one. So that's where I just you know that stuff sometimes doesn't mean Jack Diddley squat. Let's take a break. Something that definitely means Jack Diddley squat. The outcome of the Broncos Seahawks game Russell Wilson talked about the fateful decision to kick a 64 yard field goal instead of letting Russ cook or at least try to we'll let you hear what Russell Wilson had to say right after this on PFT Live Coach Hackett said if he had to do it again he would have gone for it do you agree with the coach on that uh I mean listen I, I think uh yeah <laughs> I mean I think that uh Anytime you get the chance to try to you know win the game and, and, and solidify it and try to make a play, you know um, you know I always believe in having the ball you know and everything else. But also we got a great kicker. And we, we're going to believe in our kicker again. So um, I always trust his decisions and everything else. But um, I, I'm also always ready to, to go try to do it if, I, if, if we need to. Going forward, you're in that same situation. Do you feel like, given your resume, you can call timeout and go over and say, "Hey, I know what we talked about, but I want to go here." Yeah, for sure. I think that. Uh, I think that, you know, I was, I was at the line of scrimmage ready to go for it, too. You know, I was calling a play, and we were ready to go. Um, but, you know, that's what, that's what we, just, we decided, and, and uh, we went with it, you know. And we, we missed by, I don't know, a yard, maybe. Because um, maybe half a yard. Russ, you said you had a play, and you were ready to call it at the, on the fourth and five. Was there any chance that you were going to go ahead and call that? Um, I was prepared to, you know, but then we, then we said, okay, the clock's going down. We're, we believe we can make the field goal here. So, um, you know, always prepared. Chris, one of the things we both love about watching a game on TV is the demeanor, the body language, the expressions yeah. of the key players, specifically the quarterbacks. Now, look, Russ had a little bit of a tell when he was saying what he said yesterday when he grabbed the bill of his hat. I'm not sure he's telling us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what happened. I think at the end of the day, he didn't have the power to call the timeout, or he didn't feel comfortable using it. He did not look like a guy who was in command of the moment he did not look like a guy with a plan like Peyton Manning former Broncos quarterback would have had in that moment he was just kind of lost in my estimation a am I wrong no he just kind of seemed like he was along for the ride well it, and yeah. he was just going with whatever someone told him to do it, it's it, it's you know it, it seemed all a little flustered but I don't I'm not I don't want to you know, I don't think it's Russell Wilson's fault or that. I mean, Russell Wilson, as we both know, is, is kind of the coolest, most calm customer we've ever seen. And when it's like, oh, they Russell's got the ball with two minutes and they're down three. 
I mean, it's been like 10 years straight where we're like, well, they're going to win because this is what Seattle used to do. Just keep it close, and Russell will go down and score and win it for us. He's great that way. Now, where I do think it's a little overblown, at least in my opinion, just paying attention to this, and I'm not saying I'm right, but Peyton Manning is really, to me, about the only quarterback ever that, and I'm not even sure this is totally true, and I'm going to talk to Tony Dungy about it this weekend when we're hanging out here in NBC Sports, where he might have been able to just call timeout on his own accord at all times. But for more times than not, Mike, you know how it works. The quarterback doesn't get to manage the game in, from, from the middle of the field. Tom Brady was not going, hey, Bill, I think we need to call timeout here. He was going, Bill, what do you want me to do? Like, the, 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 the coaches are ready for this. You know, so that's where, you know, I will push back. Same with Patrick Mahomes. He's amazing, but he's not managing the game. Andy Reid's telling him what to do and how to do this. And I think that's really, for the most part, just about every great quarterback in the history of football. They did not just have free reign to go, I'll call timeouts and manage the game how I want to. To me, maybe Peyton Manning is the only guy ever. And he earned that because he was like a coach on the field, unlike anything we've ever seen. So that's the, the, the first thing I'll say there, to just at least in my opinion. And again, I don't know if I'm totally right about that. But from what I do know from certain coaches, players, you know, that's, that's kind of how it works in the NFL. It's a chain of command. You, you know that for sure. But there's still a point where the guy who's in command on the field needs to act like he's in charge. Right. I guess that's my point. Yeah, okay. I never got the impression from seeing Russell Wilson in that 40 seconds that transpired between the tackle of Javante Williams and ultimately taking time out with, with hardly any time left on the play clock that he was either on his own or at the direction of someone else fully in command of what it was they were doing. Yeah. He didn't project to me that they had a plan for that moment. Well, and He that, seemed like a guy who was confused and waiting to be told what to do. Well, that that's the point. I think that's the point. And can we rewind this just a little bit if we don't mind the play itself? You know, that's the point. And that, to me, is not Russell Wilson's fault. That's, you know, we saw they had problems getting plays in and doing this all game long. So why would we think it would be any different here on fourth and five in the most pressure point of the, the football game? This is something their staff had. But here's my thing I want to just clue in on. First off, they were in the huddle a long time. When they were in the huddle a long time, I don't think he was just going, hey, don't jump off sides, don't jump off sides. We're just going to line up and call a timeout. Second thing is he's giving signals and moving people around to make me think that there was a play call. Third thing is, pause it right here if you don't mind. Look at 66, the left guard. He is looking back because he's the guy that when he lifts his leg, he has to tap the center to go, let's snap it. I think that that is another clue to go, there was a play called here, right? I do think there was a play called. But because it took so long, and I think as it went on, Nathaniel Hackett, I think, was like, oh, gosh, if we don't get it, we might not be. I, I would rather just kick the field goal and have the chance to kick the field goal. That That's at least my two cents. Again, I don't know if I'm right, but there's some things I put together there to think, one, you know, the coaches and, and the play calling getting it in there was a little off all night. Then in the pressure-packed moment, it looked like it was also off, and they didn't instill Russell Wilson with the confidence to look like you want him to look there. I'm not trying to make an excuse for Russell Wilson, but, I, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying here. So I, I don't right. know, but there's some things there that I, I do connect dots with. So whether it's Russell Wilson didn't take charge in that moment because he can't, right, 
which is fine. That's because fine. Because maybe right. only Peyton Manning was the one who ever could. Richard Sherman was making that point with a certain amount of glee in his voice, obviously, because he's never <laughs> yeah, liked he was. Russell he liked Wilson. <laughs> but but, but I, I think you make a good point. Peyton Manning with the Broncos may have been the only guy who could do it. Maybe he couldn't do it with the Colts, but he definitely was in charge of the offense with the Broncos. Right. I think that was part of his deal when he agreed to sign with them in 2012. Apart from that, you know, and, and I keep coming back to who the owners now are and what their experience in business is and how skilled they will be at seeing through BS and piecing together the little threads that allow them to conclude that something is amiss. Because the day before Russell Wilson told his version of the events to the media, Nathaniel Hackett said when asked when they decided to kick the field goal uh-huh. this is right the away, right. Russell knew it. He knew I was going to take a timeout, so he was going to see if he could get them to jump offside or anything like that, which got me a little nervous because the crowd was so loud. I didn't want us to jump or anything like that, but that's why he just got up there. He was going to try to get them to jump. They never got into a snap count. They never got into any moment where he would do anything. There was no snap count. They were lifting legs. See, that to me is where it's more Nathaniel Hackett flaw than Russell Wilson flaw here. And I think and, when you talk about his tell, like his tell, I think his tell was, wait, I'm, I'm kind of saying something that the coach probably didn't want me to say, but yeah. I'm going to say it. That, that's to me. I, I don't know. But I think you're well, right. And, like you're on it. Hey, you're on it. Hey, and, and here's, here's the thing that is going to happen at some point. Greg Penner, the CEO of the team, is going to have a conversation with Russell Wilson if he hasn't already. You and me, off the record, what happened at the end of the game? What happened? Tell me what happened. Because Russell's going to be there for seven years. Yeah, he ain't going. There's no guarantee Nathaniel Hackett's going to be there for seven years. Right. And Sean Payton is out there lurking around. One of the four coaches that Russell Wilson was willing to play for when he was willing to be traded by the Seahawks, according to his agent in 2021. I, I just think that Hackett, I thought he was digging his way out of the hole. I think he's dug it even deeper. And not that he can't turn it around, but he's got to understand how he's gotten himself into a potential jam and get out of it. We got to get out for a minute or yeah, two. Yeah, okay, when cool. We return. Matchup draft for all of week two, not just tonight's game, but all of week two. The matchups we're looking forward to seeing. PFT Live will be back right after this. All right, week two is upon us. The matchups we're looking forward to seeing this weekend, tonight, Sunday, Monday. Any and all matchups from the various games. Chris, you're up first. All right, I'm going to go to tonight. I'm, it's one like I know it's tonight and it's relevant, but it's the one I'm most excited about. And, I, and I'm going to make it about that Chiefs O-line versus this Chargers D-line. Uh, yes, home opener for Kansas City. That Chiefs D-line is going to have to play except – I mean, that Chargers D-line is going to have to play exceptional for them to win the game. Can Bosa, Khalil, Mack, you know – Beat, beat, you know, was it Wiley at right tackle or Orlando Brown on a consistent basis? Can Tillery on the inside and Sebastian Joseph Day apply some pressure there? That, to me, will be a big key of the game and something I'm excited to see. I am going to be focused on a game we talked about earlier, Bucks saints Tom Brady against that New Orleans defense. He was shut out the game last year that Dennis Allen was in charge of the whole team. He's in charge of the whole team now. Tom Brady got to score some points, and I'm, I'm watching for how often he gets hit. I'm watching for how slowly he gets up. 45 years old, beyond what anyone has done in the NFL, 
Will he be able to withstand the accumulation of physical abuse he's going to take? Will he get rid of the ball too quickly? Will he start throwing cans of corn up into the air for the Saints players to catch? Very interested to see what Brady does against the Saints defense, Chris. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That would have been my next pick. That's definitely a thing I'm tuned into and want to watch. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go to something we talked about a little earlier, too. You know, not not necessarily – Trey Lance versus the Seahawks defense. I know I'm not getting real specific here, but just – his ability, what he can do, you know, to move the ball against a, a, a Seahawks defense that looked pretty damn good and physical. And then, like we talked about, Pete Carroll, they've shown the ability to be a real pain in the butt for the 49ers and Shanahan's offense there. So I do think there's going to be some moments in this game where it's going to be like, no, the Debo sweep and the Ayuk sweep and some of this run game stuff ain't going to work. Trey Lance, you're going to have to drop back and make a decision to make a nice throw. And uh, definitely going to be clued in on that. It's, it's a big topic in the NFL right now. Uh, we talked about Patriots-Steelers earlier. There's one wrinkle there that we did not discuss. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is an opportunity for yeah. accidental Brian. <laughs> Congratulations, Brian. Yeah. Wrong Brian. Uh, Brian uh, Flores <laughs> helping to put together the defensive game plan to go against an offense that is very different from the one that he knew when he was with the Patriots all those years. But Brian Flores, I think, will be a key part of this effort to rally the Steelers' defense in a manner that shuts down the New England offense. So Flores versus Bilicek. Not Dayball versus Bilicek. Flores versus Bilicek. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Aren't we going? Let's take a break. Yeah, I was going to say, Round are we going three. to a break? All right. We're, we're, we talk too much today, so we got to take a break. We'll wrap it up after this. All right, round three of the week two matchup draft. Any matchup from any game? Christopher, you're up. Okay. Um, Going to dive into another game we just talked about it recently. But it's to me, it's what I can't wait to watch. A little bit of off that play of the Dolphins all-out blitz versus Lamar Jackson and all that. I, I, what I want to say more, though, just to be specific about it is you know, wide receiver versus that Dolphin secondary that's going to show up because there's going to be some looks in this game to go, whoa, this guy's one-on-one and there's no safety or no help or anything, and who's going to be that guy that shows up for them to help them out? Devin DuVernay and Rashad Bateman made some big plays in the game last week, definitely. But this is a different group here. This ain't the Jets. This is the Dolphins. The Dolphins got cover guys, pass rushers, everything going for them. Who's going to be that guy that steps up in some of those situations, those blitz looks that we talked about that Lamar can go to and really strike the fear into the Dolphins' defense? I'm going to go to the big game on Sunday afternoon, even though we talked about it earlier and we tend to agree that the Bengals should be able to take care of the Cowboys. Micah Parsons versus Joe Burrow. Mm. I think back to the fateful moment in Super Bowl 56 when Aaron Donald was in Joe Burrow's face at a time when Jamar Chase was open because Jalen Ramsey fell down. Will Michael Parsons be all over Joe Burrow? Will he get through those weak spots? You said only one of the four linemen, Alex Kappa, got it done last week. That gives Michael Parsons plenty of other spots where he can slip through and get after Joe Burrow. And I think we're going to be seeing Parsons chasing Burrow around. Can Burrow get away from him by enough time to get rid of the football, Chris. Yeah. That's going to be, to me, fascinating on Sunday. I, I mean, to me, it's like the only, I, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. It's like the only way Dallas can win. 
is if like Micah Parsons and Dexter Lawrence can take over the game and put the Bengals in some bad spots, maybe force an interception, strip sack, fumble. That's it. And yeah, you're right. And the Bengals are line, like they got to step the hell up. I mean, damn, I'm sick of seeing Joe Burrow get hit so much like that. You know, they're the weak link of the football team. Everything about them is Super Bowl except that offensive line right now. Very interested to see how they do this week. Coming later today, the Week 2 Joint Mega Picks podcast. Then tonight, a different kind of joint for Chris. As Ooh, he maybe multiple. bag chair <laughs> yeah. to watch Chargers Chiefs Thursday night football. Can't wait to see that game tonight. It'll be Peter King tomorrow morning and sorry i won't be here drinky drinky you won't smoky, be here friday, friday you won't be here monday i gotta go five days i just get used to not dealing with you and then you'll be back again I we'll know. be back friday morning. you love me though like your cousins you love me <laughs> see ya